Welcome to Query, where we provide simple answers to complex tech questions. My name is Mike Hurley. I'm filling in for Stephen Hackett, and I am, of course, joined by my co-host, Serenity Caldwell. Hi, Serenity. Hi, Mike. Hi, how are you? I'm pretty good. I'm really excited that we're doing this in the room together. I know. We are in San Jose, California, and we're just... I cannot believe only about 24 hours removed from the keynote. It feels like it was about a month ago right Mm -hmm. now. Um, But we've got a bunch of really important stuff to talk about because obviously you have been up to your eyeballs in news and information over the last few days. And I want to get your impressions of everything. So overall, did the keynote surprise you? Yes. Okay. In a really nice way. I mean, I think it's... It's a testament to Apple's software team that so little leaked, and really the only stuff that did leak leaked through Apple itself, mm-hmm. <laughs> and not you know not somebody being like, hey, have you check this out, but just oh, this is in code. Whoops, uh, which is really I guess how things have been leaking in the past, uh, the last couple of months. It's really not we haven't seen that much anymore. But I don't know. I went in. Not really sure what to expect uh, from this year. I mean, we've heard kind of the vague of like, oh, well, it's not going to be a a huge number of features in each of this. It's going to be more like a snow leopard year. And I think in some ways they're really right. This is a year where a lot of little tiny, not quite nitpicky, but a a, a array of different small problems has been is going to be fixed by all of these uh, by watchOS, iOS, macOS maybe a little bit less tvOS but uh you know all of the uh, like little pain points um, that they're I think they're trying to smooth over but in doing so I feel like they're also kind of announcing some pretty some pretty big stuff yeah. uh and I know uh I, I know you were you sitting with Federico did you do you have a ticket no I okay. was I was here in this very room yeah, watching yeah. with a bunch of friends so, yeah so I'll, I'll turn that back on you uh shortcuts <laughs> Yes. Uh, It was kind of a bit of a wild ride for the announcement of shortcuts, Mm -hmm. which is one of the things that I'm most excited about because it was like, oh, I know what this is going to (laughs) be. This looks like something that maybe came from the workflow team. And then it was like, hang on a second. It is. Is this replacing workflow? Oh no! Is it going to be bad? And then, like, it was like looking at the UIs, like, oh no, wait, that looks good. It was like this whole like roller coaster of emotions from thinking that oh no, workflow's gone away forever now and they're never coming back to oh, this looks like workflow 3.0. So that's what I'm really excited about. Is that your big thing? Is shortcuts your big? I'm super excited about this thing. Shortcuts was my first reaction. I mean, I've actually I'm curious. When did you figure out that it was workflow? That it was well. Okay, so I could. I think I could see pretty quickly what was happening. Mm -hmm. But I, I got the impression. I, I mean, I kind of got my personal confirmation that it was replacing it when they showed the UI. Yeah, because the UI of of the shortcuts app was exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I think from the moment, basically from the moment that they showed the first time you could add a shortcut. Right Mm -hmm. before they showed the app, I was like, oh yeah. I see what this is, right? The idea of having Siri be able to call upon a specific action and do something with it. When Honestly, when um, after the announcement of the acquisition, after spending some time thinking about it, it became pretty apparent to me that they could end up with Siri because Siri is a digital assistant. Mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean that everything has to be done via machine learning. You can ask an assistant to do things for you. And that was kind of when I started to realize why they may have 
made the acquisition and it looks like that's the way it's come true. Yeah, 100%. I mean, when I, I felt very similarly when I heard that Workflow had been acquired, where my first thought was, yeah, if they figure out a way to hook this into voice, then it becomes a, a hugely, like Workflow has been a hugely powerful tool since it came out on the App Store. And it was one of the reasons I was glad that Apple kept it on the App Store. But the fact that you know, it, it's always had a little bit of a high bar to entry, right? Even though you could download workflows, the idea of actually making one yourself was always a little bit intimidating. Yeah. And if you wanted to do something specific, then you had to kind of dive into the weeds a little bit. And and as friendly as workflow is at, at its core, it's still an automation service. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people like Federico did great, great work in terms of trying to make it easier for people. But there was still like this bar. So Getting acquired by Apple, I'm thinking, well, how can they take something that's as amazing as Workflow and make it a little bit more palpable? Because, I mean, Automator is similar in many ways. I mean, it's the genesis in many ways. Apple Script is the genesis of whatever ended up becoming Workflow. But that's... That is a pro application on the Mac, yeah. right? It's like your average person... I can't person understand Automator, heads or but tails. I can understand Workflow. Yes, exactly. I feel like Workflow is a sim not simplistic, but like makes Automator look terrifying and makes like workflow. I'm like, yes, I understand this. I may yeah. not get everything, but I get this. Um, and I was just like, all right, how is Apple going to further break this down mm -hmm. for the casual user? And I'm like, well, if you could introduce voice in a way, and if you can pull in some of the stuff that uh, Apple was doing with Proactive, which at the time, I think the acquisition happened right after iOS 9 was announced, something like that. Um, I was like, well, this this uh, this proactive stuff is really interesting, um, but I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not sure how it's going to tie in. And now we're we're basically seeing that we're seeing proactive in iOS nine and all of the workflow things come together and say, hey, Siri's going to, you know, execute these things for you, but it's also going to intelligently suggest yeah. these things. And that's some something we've seen kind of in the iOS state of the union and everything else. Um, is really showing just how easy it is to to kind of snap these things together and start these things going. Um, obviously, you know, they're still, we're a long way away, a couple months away from this software becoming reality. But in the, in, in the meantime, they've still shown us quite a lot about the potential of this and where it could go. I'm sure you guys already talked a lot about it on a on other relay shows, but um but yeah, I I'm really I'm really excited about what uh, we're going to be able to do with it in the fall. I think the big challenge is going to be whether or not they can sell it to the average yeah. user, right? Yes. You know, I and think all developers as well. Yes, yeah. I think you know what I think it's going to be an easy sell for developers because it's like, yeah, if it's available via Siri, it's going to be easier for people to access my app, and they'll use it more often. Um, but specifically for like someone like my mother, I'm like, how am I going to convince my mom? How am I going to convince the readers of iMore that they want to play with yeah. shortcuts? You know, uh, but see, it's interesting that you bring you bring developers up because. I thought that shortcuts was going to be my big thing. But what I really like, the more I thought about it, the more I realized it's not so much shortcuts, it's the improvements they're making to notifications. Okay, tell me more about this. Because yeah. I feel like that notifications and the improvements there have gotten a little bit lost on me because of everything else that's There's been going so much, on. There's so much, yeah. And I want to understand a little bit about what the grouping looks like and, the, and how you make those changes. So what have you seen so far? Yeah. So, well, notification grouping, I think, is the, the thing that people are kind of focusing on. And yep. that because 
it's long deserved. Something we've wanted for a while. Yes, and it does. It definitely cleans everything up and it makes it look much, it's much more palpable to deal with. It's easier to interact with. Mm -hmm. The soft, the soft mute is really nice where it's just kind of like, hey, I don't want to see this stuff right now. Like just send it straight to notification center. I don't want to see it on my lock screen. How does that work? How do you tell the notification that you don't want to see it It's a 3D touch. So you literally just, you, you press hard on it or a long press, I guess, on a non 3D touch device. And then it pops up a thing that's like, notify me quietly. <laughs> so how does, because uh, this is, because usually the, the 3D touch on a notification opens the preview window, Pops right? it up all, all together, so yeah. is it replacing that? Um, it's, yes and no. Because I think it only really, when you, when you do this initially, um, when you do it the first time or when you swipe right to like manage the notifications or swipe left rather, um, there are these options to either deliver it quietly or turn off that notification okay. altogether. Um, so when you, if you, I think, I may, have, I may have gotten this confused, but I think the first time you 3D press on a new notification, it'll pop that up automatically. Uh, and then once you've decided whether or not you want to change that, then it's hidden underneath that swipe left to manage. And okay. then from there, you can manage from there. That makes sense. Yeah. So you get the initial triaging thing. And then later on, you can manage it by swiping and, and checking out. That, exactly. that makes a lot of sense, too. Well, and it means it means that you are really in control of like mm-hmm. what you want to do with those notifications. And uh, like a bunch of us, because a lot of people don't really think about how to triage their notifications when they've popped up, I think it's a good way to like selectively train people into it. Yeah, I like that. Like, yeah. It's forcing people to think about it by presenting it to them when they're trying to do something else. Right? Absolutely. Like it's just a jump in step, but it will be useful. Exactly. So what, what else? then is exciting to you about so the thing it's the grouped notifications are cool but they're not like that's not why i'm i'm so psyched about this it's actually more to do with the watch and how you know on ios we've been able to do more and more with notifications uh ever like since ios 10 basically ios Mm -hmm. 11 with the swipe gestures and all of that and having the you know the more in-depth sheets um but the watch has really been limited to just, you know, there are a couple of the default apps that allow you to, like there was reply entitlements. So like if you were a messaging app, you could tap reply and then tap in. But there, beyond that, you couldn't really do much with it. Um, Now Apple is essentially porting almost the entirety of those share sheet interactivity options to the watch. Wow. And it's basically like before the keynote, before WWDC, one of the things on my list was like, I wanted to see something done with WatchKit because mm-hmm. WatchKit is, I don't want to say broken, but it's limited. It's very you know? simplistic. It's simplistic yeah. for, for a lot of reasons. Like we don't need to do a whole lot on the watch. We don't need watch apps in a, in a whole lot of scenarios. And I mean, I've, I've ranted to you, I've ranted to, to a lot of people where I'm like, I've tested hundreds of watch apps and most of them suck. Yeah. Like they're terrible. Yeah. Even the ones like there's one that one like I I translate converse, which is quite frankly an amazing app. Even that has problems on the Apple Watch. Like when it works, it's amazing. But if connectivity is not perfect or if it's kind of tweaky, um, it runs into walls and it's really hard. Developers just don't have those contextual tools to be able to tell the user like, mm-hmm. hey, we lost connectivity or like this isn't working so well or, oh, I can't, you know, I have to refresh this a certain amount of time. So before the keynote, I was very much like, OK, I want, you know, I want to see tools 
for like app developers to really take advantage of Apple Watch because there is a lot of really smart stuff you can be doing on here. Um, and I was hoping for, you know, maybe new watch app fun like frameworks. But the notification frameworks, in a way, I think are even better. You notice on stage at the keynote, they really didn't show any third-party apps no, at all. They showed a couple of defaults. Yeah. But like in terms of third-party apps, it's non-existent because you don't... It was the Siri watch face and yep. notifications. That was all that they yeah, showed. Yeah, showed we saw the workout app, mm-hmm. right? We saw the workout app and we saw the podcast app. Um, but these are things that, you know, you actually need to contextually change, mm-hmm. right? It's music. It's it's things that you're scrolling through. Um, but there are things that I'd love to be able to do on my watch. Uh, a, a long time ago, uh, last or long time ago, 12 months ago, when the SiriKit entitlements came out, I was really angry that you couldn't use the SiriKit entitlements on watch. I was like, I want to be able to call a lift. I want to say, like, Siri, call me a lift. Like, that's the perfect use for the watch mm-hmm. um and now you've got shortcuts and the potential there and shortcuts will be available on the watch but you also have these notifications where you can go into that app and literally say you know call me a thing or do that or even you know hold down siri and, and initiate that process but then when the driver is coming or you want to book something else you have all these contextual things on your watch um, they showed of course at the keynote like changing a dinner reservation but i can think of all sorts of notifications and things that pop up like i think about slack notifications right i would love a button on a slack notification that in addition to allowing me to just default reply or something like that lets me add like a slack uh emoji emoji. yeah exactly a reaction emoji or allows me to quickly mute slack for an hour right like just having more contextual tools um having face having you know a facebook notification pop up and being able to love or heart or you know or love and heart whatever the same thing (laughs) but it's just having more opportunity to play with different buttons that aren't just reply and close Mm -hmm. you know having agenda pop up on your a notification from agenda pop up on your watch and being like oh it's this time do you want to edit your note you know i mean bear has a great uh dictation interface for notes on the apple watch but again i don't know if i need a full notes interface but what i do want is more proactivity and interaction with my with my apps so being able to you know combine that with the proactive stuff that's going on and the new Siri stuff and shortcuts, I feel like it's a much bigger deal than I than we all realize. And it might, quite honestly, it has the potential to change the way that the watch works. All right. I want to talk to you about uh, some of the stuff that could be coming for the Mac mm-hmm. in the future. But let me take our first break first and thank our friends over at Pingdom for their support of this show. Pingdom are the company who offer uptime monitoring and web performance management. You're more familiar with Pingdom than you may think because they're helping to keep your favorite sites online. Evernote, BuzzFeed, Netflix, Imgur. If you've used any of these sites and you've never run into any trouble, you may have Pingdom to thank for that. Because websites are so sophisticated, they have so many different moving parts stuff can go wrong all the time. But what Pingdom is doing is making sure that they're checking that all of these independent items on a website are running. And if anything is wrong with them, they will let you know. They will let the person who's running the site know. That's what Pingdom is all about. They're checking to make sure that everything's running smoothly. And if it's not, they will notify you so you can get to fixing things. You don't want to be waiting around for somebody to send you an email or a tweet and say, hey, your website's down. That's why you need Pingdom. All they need is the URL that you want to monitor and they'll take care of the rest. So go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now and you can get a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then use the code query at checkout to get a massive 30% 
10% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and Relay FM. As well as everything which was amazing on iOS, we haven't even spoken about Memoji yet. Maybe we'll come back to that in a minute. The keynote kind of ended on a really interesting note about the future of the Mac and potentially some impact on the future of iOS, which is the ability to have iOS apps running on the Mac. This had been long rumored as the Marzipan project. Um, Mark Gurman was talking about this a couple of months ago, Mm -hmm. and there's been a lot of to and fro over the last few weeks about whether this was actually something that even existed in the first place. But now Apple have pre-announced something that they expect to come to developers in 2019 to allow iOS developers to bring their applications to the Mac. Would you have expected this announcement now? Hmm, that is a good question. I did not expect it now because I had heard, as had Renee, as had multiple sources, that it was coming in 2019. Right, see, that's the thing. Uh, it's, yeah. That's what we know, but like <laughs> then it was, ah, but still, because like, yes. this is very un-Apple-like for them to announce something so far in advance. It is, but it isn't. I think about the Intel transition. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. And this is this is where I go from it, is that at the very end of that, at the of WWDC, as Craig's talking about this, and I lean over to Jason Snell, who I'm sitting next to, and I'm like, is he talking about Mars? Like, are they going to talk about it now? And Jason looks at me, he's like, I think they are. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think this is. Uh, but after the keynote, we both kind of agreed, actually, this was a really smart move. Everybody knows it's coming, like between like German and Renee alone, but many other people have independently confirmed that, yes, this is on the roadmap. And this was a perfect, a perfect time for Craig and the Apple team in general to double down on the fact that, like, we don't want this story to get out of control. Right. It could very easily have been, especially when when you've got the rumors of ARM Max and all of that. It could very easily have people gotten into the fear of, again, oh, everything's going to be simplified down. And in a year where they're launching a new Mac App Store and all of that, I get the feeling that that's the absolute opposite direction that Apple wants people to take. Apple wants to say, no, like we really want you to realize that there are right devices for right things. An iPhone app may run really well in an iPhone and really well in an iPad Pro, but they're going to be used for different purposes. It's just that we want the software to be available, right? And I think what's really interesting about them, first of all, being flat out knowing the like, we're not going to do this, despite the fact that, you know, Apple has a history of saying, no, these things aren't going to happen. And then four years later, it's the best idea for a computer ever. (laughs) Uh, But no, I think the the smart thing uh, that Apple did here was really say, all right, you want us to prove that the Mac's really important to you? It's the only device that we make that can run all of our software. Not just not just Mac oh, apps, yeah, that's cool. but iOS yeah. apps and iPad apps, right? Like, t- no Apple TV apps, I guess. But like, they don't exist. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> oh, RIP Apple TV. That was that was a painful part of the WWDC keynote, where it's just like you're here for 15 minutes and you have to vamp about Atmos and pretty well, much talk nothing about else. Everything that you did last year, yeah. A couple of things that are new but nobody can use. Yeah. And then the only thing anybody wanted which was to find out where the screen, the aerial screensavers were. Yeah. You know, like you press yeah. a button, find out, oh, that's Hong Kong. Now yeah. I know. 
Okay, I feel better about that. But no, I um, I was surprised uh, that it was announced, but I am so glad that they did it because they were able to take... Con- it's one of the rare occasions where I've seen Apple take control of the messaging early. Yes, yes. You know? Because it act- would have spun out of control exactly. over the next 12 months. And they don't want to put out a press release being, you know, after someone has riled up the community and everybody's panicking. And again, on the heel of the Mac App Store and all of that. So I'm really glad they did it. Um, if uh, if the talk show tonight ends up having uh, Apple executives like it has the last few years, maybe we'll hear a little bit more about it and about the thought process behind it. I'm not holding my breath on any of that, but it might be might be good additional information. We've gotten it in the past, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I'm I'm really glad that they did it. What types of apps do you think we would see come to the Mac? Do you think it's going to be hmm. utilities? Do you think we're going to get more games than we had before, or do you think we're going to see some really more powerful tools that are developed for iOS with the intention to also be on the Mac? I, it is a really great question. Uh, when I first th- started thinking about iPhone apps on the Mac, uh, it was back, you know, in the, I don't know, Yosemite days, maybe earlier than that, Mavericks days, because I was like, well, they could always repurpose Dashboard mm-hmm. and essentially make, like, Dashboard's little widgets. I'm like, those basically are iPhone apps. Sure. Um, but the more I think about it, the more I really think that we're going to see more continuity-based things mm-hmm. and things that either you want something to be the same on your Mac as it is on iOS. Note-taking apps are something that instantly comes to mind, right? Reminder-style apps. Um, productivity in general, I feel like there's a huge opportunity for things that can sync back and mm-hmm. forth that require very little code upkeep to put on the same machine at the same time. Um, then there are apps, there are other apps, like things like Astropad that actually work in tandem with the Mac. And I'm not sure if it makes sense mm-hmm. to, you know, build those Mac, those versions of the Mac applications as like, as Marzipan style. Like, I think it probably still makes sense to stick in UI kit for those. But it's, it is interesting to me because I really do feel like you currently have an existing type of app, which is the second, not even second screen, but like thinking of it as your iPhone is one part of the puzzle and your iPad is or your and your Mac or your iPad for that matter is the second part of the puzzle almost like AR kit right um but there's also the concept of like well we want the syncing we want it to to be parallel mm-hmm. and persistent heck can you imagine like a walkie-talkie app where you give your phone to somebody and it turns into that like walkie-talkie button and then you have the other side of the walkie-talkie on your Mac and that, like, I could see that being useful for people who go out into the field, right? Instead of having a persistent con- uh, connection to somebody or actually having to use walkie-talkies, you just, or carry around a walkie-talkie worse, in addition to the phone that, and tablet you probably already have. No, instead, you can just fire up this, and it makes an instant connection to the app in the home office, and then you can just chat away. And, oh, good, it's all over the FaceTime standards, so no big deal. Yeah, I'm. I was wondering, like, my hope for a lot of this now is some of the benefits may go in the other direction, mm-hmm. you know, and that they said this is a multi-year project and, and I expect that in five years we'll look back and be like, oh, wow, like that started there. But just even from a practicality perspective, next year as, as developers are thinking about what they want to do with their iOS apps over the next 12 months, there may be a lot of thought about, right, okay, what would we put in this if it was also on the Mac? Like, what other features would we maybe want to put into this application? Like, I know that this this whole story is framed around 
the Mac, making mm-hmm. the Mac better. But as somebody who is really focused on iOS and on iPad, I'm actually seeing this as a great possibility for pr- for productivity apps on the iPad because it's making, for a lot of people, it, and there are a lot more resources to make iOS apps, and, and a lot of people said it can be a lot easier using UIKit than AppKit, and this gives opportunities for people to create really powerful iOS apps knowing they can also use them on the Mac and seeing kind of how that could cross over is really, really interesting to me. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, I've argued for a while now that the iPad is really the ultimate laptop computer in its flexibility and its Mm -hmm. versatility and its connection to cellular and all of these things. But a lot of the issues that people have with using the iPad as a laptop is that they can't move their stuff. And a lot of that's been like made obsolete with files and things like that. But there are still there are still issues. You know, we can't we still cannot import audio files onto an iPad, like without going through some kind of crazy rigmarole. Um, And like those kinds of things um, might like may not be like you can't obviously solve the problem that I just said um, with something like this, but you can make it easier by essentially saying, okay, maybe you still need a Mac and an iPad, like you can't live on one or the other if you're doing certain things, but you are able to connect them in such a way so that it's like, okay, Mike, you and I are recording a podcast um, and the podcast is synced, you know, the audio file, we send it to the Mac. Um, I put it in my podcast, podcast audio folder or not folder my put my podcast audio app on the mac and then that instantly syncs to my podcast yeah. audio app on ios then i can move that file into files and all of a sudden i can edit everything yeah and it's like it's yes it's still a multi-person workflow but it's just you know i'm spitballing here i think there are there are huge opportunities to be able to bounce back and forth between the two um especially for people who see the value of the ipad but don't necessarily need or want to use that as their primary computer 100 percent of the mm-hmm. time but it would be a heck of a lot better than trying to lug around a 12, 15-inch computer. It allows for more consistency while still keeping the core OSs to be what they're best at. Absolutely. You know, Mac OS can still be Mac OS and iOS can still be an iOS, but some of the apps can be the same. Yeah. Um, and again, like this is so early on to be thinking about this, but I think, it's, I think this has really become, at least for the developers that I've been speaking to over the last couple of days, a thing that's on everybody's minds, especially in the Mac community, about what this could mean for the developer community at mm. large. Because, you know, if universal apps, whilst really great for consumers, can be tricky for developers because you write the app and you sell it one time and it's mm-hmm. on everybody's devices, could this be a bit of a problem here? You know, like, is, is it taking away... A potential area for a developer, a or is stream. you know, yeah. yeah, or is it you know maybe there's like you you know one of the reasons you would sell a Mac app separately is because it was so much more work, right? Mm-hmm. So what do you think? Do you think that it's maybe removing, or could it end up devaluing Mac software because people think you should buy it once and it's on all your devices? Like, how do you think people and developers will react to this type of it's stuff? It's really interesting, and I think we still haven't really seen the fallout and the ramifications of subscription-based pricing, which kind of got started earlier um, in the last couple of years. Uh, and I think th- that's going to be a huge question as we move into this as well, yeah, right? That That's a really, really good point. And, and I think that subscription pricing is becoming more and more obviously the key to a lot of problems that there are in app, pr- the app ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And this is, you're right, this is another one of those. 
Yeah. And I, I wonder if subscription-based pricing is a way to interact with the Mac. I, I also wonder if just because you're, you're going to be working on the same code base, does that mean that it has to be a completely universal app, mm-hmm. right? I think the Marzipan framework or whatever it ends up being called is going to certainly make it easier to develop and maintain, which might bring down some of the overhead of, yep. of making these apps. But I still don't know if Apple is going to try and, you know, make it one unified app store or if they're just going to be like, no, you just you can compile it and then you can offer it on the Mac App Store or you can offer it on the Mac App Store and you have bundles, right? Like we've seen we've seen the iOS bundles of like several different apps. And I'm like, w- I'm wondering if you could be like iOS, Mac OS um, and connect together. Obviously, it didn't work out that way with tvOS, but I think that tvOS and Mac OS are two very different universes. Uh, and also, I mean, we again, we don't know so much about how this is all going to work because the even the data is kind of currently used with private APIs that Apple has kind of showcased off. So even developers don't really have a chance to play around with this and figure out how how it's going to going to connect. Um, but what I think is really like the what is really, really interesting is can we have hybrid like hybridization apps, right? Where it's like you take, yes, some some code from your iOS app, but then you can build with UIKit on top of it, right? And expand the app into a way that you might not be able to do it with AppKit alone. I noticed so many questions, and we, that is, we're going we're like two years away from probably nearly some a lot of them being answered. <laughs> but this is a really exciting time, and I mean, this is exactly why Apple did this. Yeah, because now we are talking about the positives of this and not focusing on the negatives. Where if, you know it, it could have been that we give it like another three or four months, and we would have slipped into the conversation of marzipan again, and it would have been a lot of concern. But mm-hmm. this way, people are like, "It's coming. It looks great. Like this isn't a bad thing." And Apple dog fooded it, right? Like and we have shown that it works exactly. exactly, and works in a way. You know, I know that Stocks is not an exciting app for most people, and it's certainly not an exciting app for me. But it looks damn good on yeah, the Mac. It does. Like it, do- it looks it, at home. Yes, it does not look like a dashboard widget, which mm-hmm. is what I was concerned about. And even voice memos, like voice memos, I think is the starkest of all of them. Even voice memos fits in with the GarageBand aesthetic, and yep. that's actually a great example of an app that I think will will lend itself really well as a template because now voice memos is detached from iTunes and it's literally it's iCloud powered right so I can record a voice memo on my phone and it immediately shows up on my iPad then I can drag that into GarageBand and bang bang boom mm-hmm. like if I was if I connected a lightning based microphone to my iPhone or my iPad recorded into voice memos all of a sudden that recording file is now on my iP- on my Mac ready for for editing and like that's that's a that's huge possibility future. right that's the future that's we it. have that's it. of us all right we need to do some speed run questions to finish out this week's episode but let me thank our second sponsor and that is simple contacts it is really amazing when an app takes a tiresome task and makes it fuss free and simple contacts does this by being the easy way to renew your contact lens prescription you'll be able to reorder your contacts from anywhere in just a few minutes all you need to do is complete their online self-guided vision test it takes less than five minutes from wherever you are right now no more doctor's offices no more waiting rooms then you can order your favorite contacts right from their website or app simple contacts offers all the lens brands you love with options for astigmatism multifocal lenses colored lenses and more you'll be able to order exactly what you need right from the palm of your hand whenever you want to their vision test is just twenty dollars which for comparison an appointment without insurance could cost you 200 
No one wants to pay that when you can pay $20 for the amazing Simple Contacts Vision Test because it will save you money and time. I want to let you know, and I need to let you know, that this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. Simple Contacts will check that your current prescription still helps you see 2020 and will renew your lenses based on that prescription. They're not writing completely new prescriptions or examining your eye health. Simple Contacts is so easy to use. Their app is really nice. It's really simple. And being able to do something like take a vision test on your phone is some amazing future stuff. It is so simple to do. It takes just a couple of minutes. You go through some stuff to check it all out, and then you get presented with loads of options. And I can guarantee you're going to find the contacts that you want. There are so many available in there. This is a really, really cool service. As a listener of this show, you can get $30 off your contact lenses. Just go to simplecontacts.com slash query, or you can enter query at checkout. That is simplecontacts.com slash query, or simply use the code query at checkout for $30. $30 off. Our thanks to Simple Contacts for their support of this show. All right, you ready for the speed run? Yeah, let's do it. This question comes from John. I know that new hardware wasn't announced yet, but I just found out that my Series 0 Apple Watch won't be able to run WatchOS 5. Should I upgrade now or wait to see if anything else is announced later? I only use my watch for notifications and a few complications. I'm leaning towards just getting Series 1. What do you think? I think, John, if you're leaning towards getting a Series 1 and you can hold out when the Series 0 until uh, until the fall, wait, because there's a very good chance that the new Series 1 will be the Series 2 processor. Genius. Yep. Yeah, because you you don't need it now, right? Because yeah. WatchOS 5 isn't out yet. Mm-hmm. And probably at the same time that WatchOS 5 comes out, so will the new Apple Watch. Yep. So yeah. you can end, even if you don't necessarily need the new Apple Watch with all of its bells and whistles, you will now be able to get the formerly latest yeah, and greatest Series down, 3. Right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And remember, the Series 2 and the Series 3. The Series 3 has an excellent processor and the Series 2 does as well. And the Series 1 has that S1P that's like halfway in between the Series 0 and the Series 2. And the battery life has gotten so much better iteration oh, over iteration. so much better, especially if you're wearing a 38mm watch. Oh my gosh. Anybody who's still wearing a Series 0 38mm watch, uh, pay attention this fall because the Series 3, even the Series 3 cellular is... So many light years ahead. I know people are upset about the Series 0 being kind of discontinued with watchOS 5, but I am telling you 100%, I am on board with this. I still have a Series 0, and it's virtually unusable. Mm -hmm. I would not, like, all of the stuff that they're trying to do, especially the automatic workout stuff, if they were to attempt to do automatic workout on Series 0, you're going to kill your battery almost instantly because automatic workout requires more heart rate sensors and readings, which is going to kill your battery and run it down further. So in short, I'm sorry, Series Zero. You had a good three-year run, yeah. and I'm super sorry. You Watch did a good edition. job, but it's time for you to go yeah. away. Uh, Josh wants to know, is group FaceTime a viable alternative to Skype for the type of podcast recordings that you do at Relay FM? Boy, I hope so. <laughs> I, I I mean, so FaceTime, you could, we could do one-on-one FaceTime for a long time, but we don't do it for shows like this because everyone's so used to using Skype mm-hmm. because if you have three people or more, you had no option. So everybody just stuck to using Skype. But in theory, yeah, sure, because FaceTime sounds great. A lot of the tools that we use, they exist for FaceTime as well as they do for Skype. Why not? Yeah, and you know what I'm really excited about, honestly, is that this gives this potentially gives me a way to do video podcasts entirely from the iPad because you turn on screen recording, you do a group FaceTime mm-hmm. session, and then all of a sudden you're screen recording. Yep. You can edit that in iMovie, and then all of a sudden, like you can upload that to YouTube from the YouTube app. Like all out, and just if I never have to open Skype again or Google Hangouts again, I will be a happy soul. 
Skype is getting really weird oh, right now. Really the, weird. Microsoft are doing a lot of stuff to it to turn it into a, an app that I don't think it was ever intended to be. So uh, if FaceTime can save us, that would be great. Yes. This comes from Francois. Can you explain Dolby Atmos and if you think that the HomePod will support it? Um, I'm currently looking to replace my TV speakers with two HomePods, and I'm not sure if they're going to support Dolby Atmos. That is a great question, Francois. Um, I wish that Rene Ritchie was here because he is a super hardcore like Atmos head. I don't even um, know what it is. I okay. So Dolby Atmos. Let me see if I can think of like the the consumer grade explanation for it. It is essentially a new way of processing sound in such a way that it gives you more of a surround sound experience um, without the entire surround sound the, setup. Yeah. Okay. It's, uh, it has something to do with bouncing sound waves and something like. I do not want to mess this up, and I know I will if I keep on going. So what I'm going to say is that Rene Ritchie did an amazing explainer of Atmos and what it is and why he hoped the Apple TV was going to get it uh, at imore.com, and we'll put that in the show notes because I yep. definitely recommend reading that. As to your HomePod question, uh, we will definitely look into that and get back to you. I haven't heard anything officially, but I'm, I am leaning towards thinking that it probably will be supported, but maybe not at TVOS launch. Um, I think there's a probably a really good reason they didn't mention it in the keynote because obviously they had some time. Sorry, I'm going to do that again. Obviously they had some uh, some time on stage that they could have filled by being like, oh yeah, the HomePod will support it too. Uh, I think that it's probably still in progress and testing and all of that. Um, so hopefully we will hear that, you know, in the fall with whatever new Apple TV hardware that they announce, if they announce new Apple TV hardware, um, and if they announce new HomePods options, maybe. Um, but we'll we'll keep an ear out, and if we can find out anything else, we'll definitely let you know. This final question will come from me to oh. you. <laughs> what do you think of Memoji? I it's amazing right <laughs> I it's love so it. incredible okay here's the thing i don't like bitmoji i okay. i like i i see it's i see its value and i see its purpose and i like it in principle but for me i i have used selfies for a long time to essentially make make emoji like mm-hmm. reactions um and to me the bitmoji and especially the art design of the bitmoji just never really struck me i just wasn't super thrilled by it the design of Memoji is note freaking perfect. It feels almost like a Disney Pixar character, but not so stylized where you're like, oh, it's Disney. Mm-hmm. But also not so far in the other direction where you're like, oh my God, it's DreamWorks, Uncanny Valley creep. I'm making DreamWorks feel sad. How to Train oh, Your DreamWorks. Dragon was great. Like there's a, they, the other studios have some good stuff, but you know what I mean, right? Where it's like you see some CG and you're just you're 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 in pain where you're like 3D it's just not it's not where it needs to be. But okay, breaking it down cuz this is a speed run. The reasons why I like Mimoji in order. One, the customization and the level of design and everything that you can do with it is super cool. And it's still limited, but even it's in its limitations, it's a lot more expansive than I thought it was going to be. Like, they're already offering different head coverings and hijabs and things like that and different glasses and, like, 30 different kinds of curled beards. as a man with facial hair, (laughs) I was blown away at how many facial hair options they had. I could not believe it. There's, like, 20 or 30 of them. I was so excited. And Dalrymple was still upset because there wasn't a long enough beard (laughs) for him. (laughs) I don't think they could... I I think he would need a bigger phone to get his beard on the screen. I really agree with that. They need to actually start 
animating like shoulders because otherwise it would just look <laughs> you'd look like Dumbledore just with the floating head and and that so that's like my my first thing is that the customization and it's really done in a smart way like the what I consider the like Genesis origin of the name which is of course Nintendo's me right mm-hmm. um the Mies were so much fun to create and I love character creators, but you could go down a black hole creating those because it's like, oh, move the eyes up two centimeters down. Yeah. T- and it, you just went that was too, too much. It was too much. And uh, and yeah, the Apple may be a little bit too restrictive in some ways. They have like three age variations and it's literally baby, slightly older baby and baby with eye crinkles. <laughs> like they have it. They, they need maybe some tweaks in there. But uh, but overall, there's just so much so much customization, which is awesome. The second thing is that the way that they have integrated it with AR, especially like iPhone yeah, 10, obviously. Yeah, super cool. Oh, it's just it's amazing. And like the fact that you can record videos like I originally thought that you could just record little uh, photo snapshots for your friends. And granted, this is only in messages. So there's only a limited, you know, thing that you can do with it. But we've already seen what people have done with Animoji and how they've like tweaked it to be able to make these karaoke videos. And I am fully expecting to get a clips update with Memoji so that you can make Memoji clips. I've seen FaceTime. Yes, so and it FaceTime. Feels like that would happen. So. Can we side, side note and just say that the FaceTime customization options and AR stuff is so much better than any of the nonsense that Google Hangouts has tried over yeah. the years. Like the, there is a reason why Apple, like the for all the nonsense about the notch and everything else, there is a reason why. So Apple, many cool oh, features have come from having this stuff. In it's it. it's incredible, and Apple is doing this so well. Like the fact that like on early betas, like on the beta that we saw on stage, the track the head tracking was perfect. The fact that the faces snap from face to face as you move the camera mm-hmm. around, and they don't freak out the phone. They don't take forever to load. Like like the processor and everything they're doing some crazy crazy work so i think memoji is going to be a pretty big deal i think it's going to sell a lot of iphone 10s to children and probably adults yep and uh, i really can't wait to see what the internet is going to do with it Thank you so much for listening to Query. You can find our show notes at relay.fm slash query slash 32. To submit questions, just send out a tweet with the hashtag AskQuery, and we'll see it. In the meantime, you can find Serenity on Twitter. She's at Seton. And you can find her writing at imore.com. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E, on Twitter. And Stephen will be back next time. Until our next episode, Serenity, say goodbye. Goodbye. Woo, we did it. I know. There you go, Hackett.